Hi, friend. Hi, friend. I'm Michael Cassidy. And I'm Laura Holloway. And this is the Actors Helpline. So I went to a, a family wedding over the weekend in upstate New York. Not my family. Oh. My husband's, most of whom I've never met. We've been together 13 years, and we I just met, his dad has like eight brothers and sisters, mm-hmm. big Irish Catholic family. And uh, I had met like, I think four or five people in the family, but there are approximately nine million people in the family. So it felt like I'd never met anybody. Anyway, as a result, I got to go to a Catholic church for the first time in a really long time. Did you burst into flames as soon as you walked in? No, I didn't. Though that joke that joke was made. Not about me. <laughs> I didn't know what that was going to be like because I haven't been to church in a really long time, you know. And I'm a confirmed Catholic, so I can get up and take communion if, if I want. Like the Catholic Church says like all confirmed Catholics are welcome to, you know, take part in communion. And if you're not that or you don't want to take part in communion, you can come up and the priest will give you a blessing, right? Yeah, you just like right. cross, you make this like sign, this superhero sign or person in a coffin, I guess. Anyway. If you don't know what communion is, everybody lines up guys in the middle of the church and goes through and gets their, puts their hand out and says some God stuff and gets the body of Christ. Yeah. You don't say anything. You get the body of Christ, body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. So for the record, not a churchgoer. (laughs) And it's been a really long time and it's not my bag. Like I have my own brand of, you know, spirituality and (laughs) it doesn't involve me eating Jesus. So anyway, I go and uh, I'm not opposed to it, you know. So my husband, though, I've never set foot in a church with my husband as long as we've been together. He's Mm. not, he's, I'll like show up to a church and like do the dance and, you know, sing the songs because I grew up in a church and I know what it is. But he's like, that's not a thing he does. So yeah, he's, he's doing standing this thing. in the parking lot smoking cigarettes just waiting for you to get back out. Yeah, like behind the dumpster. Yeah, leather so, jacket. <laughs> yeah, color turned up. <laughs> and so we're, you know, dressed all nice and we go into this big Catholic church and it's beautiful. And I'm kind of like, oh, this is so cool. I'm going to take communion. I'm going to, you know, when in Rome and like I'm being a dork about it. And I'm singing all the songs and I'm like the only one in the whole crowd. And my husband is like, I'm absolutely not doing any of that, but I will stand here and show up for these people. Right. And um, I haven't heard him say a lot of like great things about religion in our time together, but mostly he just doesn't say anything because he doesn't have a lot of nice things to say. So I had the thought right before I took communion, like what's me taking communion going to do to him? Like what's that experience going to be like for him? And for a moment, it was kind of like, it's kind of like that moment where you're like, if my husband watches the baby come out of me, what's it going to do to his experience of me after that? Like, you know, like, what is that going to do? It was a similar feeling. So, of course. It feels really different, the two things. No, the same. No, 100% the same. (laughs) So, I go... And I'm like, of course, I'm not going to let that stop me. I'm like, you know, this is what I want to do. So I'm going to get up and do it. Right. And I excuse myself and I, I go up and I take communion and I do the sign of the cross and the whole, you know, choreography. And I get back and I sit down next to my husband and I kneel and I start praying 
And I'm thinking, that might have been a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> like he's going to make you and pay said, for it? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I just be like weirdly codependent about it. Or like, just like, what is he thinking of this? You know, like I cared what he thought of me so much in that moment. Okay. And I sit back in the pew after I'm done with my post-communion prayer. Mm-hmm. And he and he leans over to me and he goes, that was kind of hot. <laughs> Oh, God, that's like a, that's really the story of just my friend married the right person. That's beautiful. Right. He always surprises me. So he I mean, has not this, always, but. He, we, we can't talk about this much longer because it's going to get weird. But he has this, Maddie has this thing that I have only dreamt about, which is he has <laughs> um, incredible discretion like the guy just doesn't say anything and when he says something it's super potent it's really funny Mm. it's really you know it's like that must be why he likes you is because he you know you're so expressive and he's very sort of like held and in a way that is like it's just very powerful like when he starts speaking i'm like everyone everybody just be quiet maddie's about to say something I know. Yeah, that was a really, really kind way of you. Uh, your words were very kind when you said I was expressive instead of he must like you because you never stopped talking. <laughs> no, but. Which is my experience of me and him. No. It's like he's quiet and I'm. No, I hear what you're saying. And it's true what you're saying. It's funny to hear other people's experience because when I hear that, I'm like, that is a hundred percent accurate. And thank you for the reminder. Because. <laughs> As his partner, of course, that thing that drew me to him in the beginning is the thing that I'm always like, you need to talk more. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's the thing. And he doesn't. Because when he does, it is so potent. It's beautiful and hilarious. And he's so smart and witty. And he just continues to surprise me. And I love that about him. I love, I love, I'm glad I have that. Yeah, I'm glad you have it too. I can also tell you that if you married someone like us, like you and I, who doesn't stop talking, because mm-hmm. I did, I've been married to someone like that for 17 years and it's a real mashup. Like it's just, uh, <laughs> it's a real free for all. And then you have a couple of kids and some of them won't shut up and everybody just talks and no one listens. Just so much talking. Yeah. Is there anybody in your house that doesn't talk constantly? I don't know because I'm talking the whole time. I can't hear. I wouldn't hear if somebody right, was quiet. Right, 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 right. Sure. <laughs> well, I'm glad you found her too. Oh, gosh. It always catches me off guard. We're just sitting here at HQ catching up. And then the phone rings. And then suddenly the phone rings. Yeah. Hello. What's up, Laura? Hey, Michael Cassidy. Uh, love, the, love the show. My name is Josh Rubin. I'm a filmmaker and actor. I actually went to acting school with uh, Michael. Um, we were the only 18-year-old to a two-year training program founded by Mike Nichols and uh, George Morrison and Paul Sills who called us interesting things. My question is, uh, what is your least and most favorite way to be directed? How do you most like to be directed? And how do you least like to be directed? Thank you. Thanks, Josh. Josh, thank you. Uh, So Josh. I mean, this is a good one. Josh, it's a great question. I can't wait to get into it. I can't wait to hear what you have to say. Um, But I will wait because I want to. That's how I feel too. (laughs) Um, Josh 
uh, as he referenced in his voice message to us, uh, we went to a two-year acting school in two, starting in 2001 together called the New Actors Workshop in New York, which is no longer in existence. But it was founded by, like he said, Paul Sills, George Morrison, and Mike Nichols. And um, they didn't take a lot of kids right out of high school, but they took me and Josh. And Josh is, like he said, a... Uh, excellent actor and filmmaker and future guest on the show i'm sure and um and a longtime friend and actually spoiler alert a director who has directed me for one or two days of our life and so we can talk a little bit about that <laughs> um wait can i ask you before we move on from this yeah what did they call you guys what do you mean? He said they called us a lot of interesting names. Oh, Paul Sills was, Paul at the end of his life was, um, I don't know if he was abusive his whole life, but he had a, <laughs> Paul had a very direct. Or to anyone else. <laughs> I mean, you know, my understanding of abusive people is that they can't really turn it off. But um, Paul, <laughs> we had him toward the end of his life and he, Paul was an incredible shepherd for in improvisation in our country and a very powerful force in American theater. You can look him up, but toward the end of his life, he would say what was on his mind. Let me put it that way. And I'm sure Josh will have a story about it. Um, I remember he gave me a task in the production that he was directing at school for me to walk across the stage. I was playing a prisoner and he told me to walk across the stage. And then he was like, basically you suck. The way you did that was terrible. <laughs> And um, I really gravitate toward abusive people like that. Um, so I, I I often forget that he was like that. I don't want to make it into a big thing. But uh, it was, you know, an educational environment where uh, somebody stopped by at the end of the year to kind of kick you around the room a little bit. That is the only way people learn, Michael. It is the only way people learn. Not true. No, that's not, not true. true. But I used to think that because I also gravitate towards people like that. I'm like, that's not abuse. What do you mean? Yeah. They cared. Yeah, they cared and I deserve it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm glad we're past that now. <laughs> Nobody could see it, but I did a great drink of my, that was a good, good timing drink. You did a drink take, but nobody mm. saw it and then you described it, which is just as good as seeing it. So Michael. Yes. I can't, I really can't. My, the, the thing that got me most excited about this question was your answers. Like, I was like, I can't wait to hear what Michael has to say about this. And, and I have to say that I was like, I don't know. Hmm. I've never thought about this. I also have, I, I know more, I know the answer to this more in the theater Great. than I do in TV film. But upon thinking about it, I was like, oh, no, I actually, I do have some preferences. But I hadn't thought about it. And part of the reason I hadn't thought about it is because I didn't know that I was allowed. Mm. Like, as an actor, I feel like, oh, it's my job. It actually plays into what we were just talking about. It's like, oh, I have to show up and just do what people tell me to do. Mm -hmm. I don't get to have a preference because I am just so lucky to be here and be getting paid for this mm -hmm. that I I haven't had enough time doing it, I don't think, to get to that point, hmm. which is an interesting realization. Or it's my personality or whatever. But upon upon considering it, I did have some preferences. But I really, really want to hear yours first because I've been wondering what it is. Well, let's alternate. And okay. let's, let's do least. I'll go least. You go least. And then I'll go most, you go most or something like that. Because we'll end it on a yeah, higher note. That sounds great. First thing that popped into my head when I heard least favorite way to be directed is shouting from the monitor. 
So for those of you that don't know, um, often when you're filming, the uh, director and um, a lot of the sort of the writer, the the people who are not operating a camera, operating a light, but are uh, connected to what is being filmed during a take are somewhere on the other side of some wall. Or if you're on location, they're in another room with a monitor, which is just a screen in front of you and headset on. And they're listening to what is being filmed between roll and cut. And it happens a lot that the director yells, and I don't mean yells in a mean way, although I've experienced that, but yells just what needs to take place from the monitor. There's a couple of reasons that they do it in their defense. The main one is time. Like when you cut, people come into the house you're shooting in from outside to uh, bring in another thing, or they look at their phones, or there's a dissipation of energy and resources when you cut. And so they want to keep rolling and they want to sort of efficiently uh, do another take or piece of the scene or the shot. And so they go, okay, just hold the roll. And Michael, when you come in, can you just put the cup down a little bit less loudly? Thank you. Okay. Let's go back to one. And it's all happening in the take. And that's an example of one where it doesn't actually bother me all that much. I'll just say yes. And if I, tr- a lot of this has to do with trust, which I, I don't want to like monologue about, but if, if I, so Josh, Ironically, Josh and I did a sketch that my wife wrote for College Humor a number of years ago. My wife, Laura, wrote it. Josh directed it. And I was acting in it. And Josh does this where he, in the take, if he's coming, Josh is improvisational. So on my close-up, Josh Rubin, (laughs) the question asker, was actually yelling from the monitor, and now say this, and now say this, and now say this. And he's sort of spitballing alternate jokes while you're shooting. Ken Marino, the director and actor, does the same thing. I've worked with Ken. And Ken will say, that's good. Now say this. And it's all during the take. So there are versions of it, and I like working that way, particularly in comedy. There are versions of shouting from the monitor that I really like. But as a practice, if I was like telling a director one thing to not do, I would say cut or don't cut. I understand not cutting. It's important. Go into the set and speak to the people face to face. Again, with the caveat that riffing in comedy works really well. You know, my experience of working on um, Dog Days, the film that I did that Ken Marino directed, is that I was kind of playing the Ken Marino part. And so he was sitting looking at the monitor, pitching jokes that he would make if he was playing my role. And who am I to stop Ken Marino from turning me into, you know, a 30% version of him in his film? So I, I can't say that I like hate working this way, but that that's my least favorite way to be directed. I am with you. <laughs> I wrote, I wrote shouting from Villi- Video Village. Oh. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's part of why I don't do commercials. I don't want to audition for commercials because my experience with commercials is that that is going to be the thing. Hmm. I'm going to get shouted at from Video Village. I'm going to feel like a monkey being told to dance. Hmm. And I don't like that feeling. I always kind of walk away from that going like, oh, I spent so much money on like my training. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. I'm, I've worked hard to like be good at this. Mm-hmm. And when I'm shouted at from Video Village, it just feels... It, there's this feeling of like, and I'm speaking in general, 
And I'm actually, I'm speaking, there is a specific way that it happens that I don't like, that it causes this feeling in me, but it causes, um, uh, like an insecurity comes over me. Mm -hmm. It's just like, I mean, I guess I just don't like being shouted at, but with the exception of, and I didn't think about this until you said it, but when I, I shot a comedy last year TV show, it was almost exclusively that. Mm -hmm. And it was for similar reasons that you were saying, but I wasn't being told what lines to say because we were fully improving, which was so fun. But there was a point at which, you know, I was supposed to be like flirting with someone. And I also had a son with me. And I remember hearing from, <laughs> I remember he hearing from Video Village, hey, Laura, um, don't look at your son while you're telling him, yes, you'll go out with him. And I was like, why? <laughs> Right. And like we all had a good laugh about it, but it, it was lighthearted and it was there. There was a the it was the approach mm -hmm. because then there's I did a move. One of my very first my first speaking role in a movie ever, which I'm not going to say what it is huh. right now. The director was literally shouting, mm -hmm. shout like screaming at me and a little kid. Mm -hmm. He was trying to get this these two little kids to like fight with each other. Because they're supposed to be, that's kind of the whole scene was like me and this other dad getting upset. This other Academy Award winning dad is <laughs> my first job. And this guy's screaming at me and the kids mm. to like try to get them riled up or something. And it was just horrifying. I was like, oh, yeah. I didn't know what to do. I felt like, I mean, actually, that was what made me go to acting school. That was before acting school. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I think he was yelling mm. at me because I suck. Now I don't think that was why. But so I guess it depends on the, the, the approach and the, the motivation behind it. But in general, that is my least favorite way. We had the same so thing. Yeah. That's funny. I know. Cute. Cute. I bet a lot of actors, a lot of actors might say that, I would think. Yeah. I, I know that a lot of actors would say that. Because it yeah, obviously, just, you, yeah, you just, just described. Yeah. It's just, it's just, it sucks. There's a reason it sucks. Did you have a different one for theater or was it? In theater, my least, it's similar. It's just my least favorite way to be directed in theater is when a director kind of sits where they're sitting in the, you know, audience with all their snacks and their book <laughs> with their table and, <laughs> and, and they don't take the care to understand that the thing that they're about to communicate might be best if it was just not everybody in the room hearing it. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's not exactly like I hate, I mean, that's how I'm directed. That's how you're directed in theater. The, you know, they're sitting in the audience. Everybody can hear it. But there are certain times when I would much prefer for them to come down and have a, a very sm small, short conversation with me than to say certain things out loud, which I have only experienced with men. Mm, the shouting. It's not really, it's just like there's a sensitivity. I mean, in the theater, right, for those of you who don't know, like there, I have already kind of said this, but there's, the director is usually, if you're in the theater, it depends on where you are. But I'm, right, what I'm picturing right now is when we're getting close and we're actually in the theater, right? Mm -hmm. And we're actually on the stage and the director is in the audience, mm -hmm. got a little table probably maybe, and they've got all their stuff and they're giving everybody direction from far away. So shouting, it's like, it's kind of required to like project, right? But it's, it's less the shouting from there because that is just how it works. Then it is the, there's a sensitivity to certain directions 
or certain moments when they come down out of the audience and talk one-on-one to somebody. Mm-hmm. And so my least favorite way of being directed in the theater is when they they miss that that the that this one is sensitive and shouldn't be said out loud to everybody. Okay, so it's specific to what they're saying to you. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. I'm the yeah, same way. Yeah. And a lot of times it has to do with intimacy, like physical intimacy or, um, you know, something I'm doing with my body or, and it's, you know, I don't, I'm not trying to like throw dudes under the bus, but I was sitting here thinking of my theater experiences and all of the ones that come up for me that I'm referring to happen to be men, which I think makes sense on some level because the stuff I'm referring to, I think you might either have to be a woman or have ultra sensitivity to the female experience in order to understand that certain things are sensitive. Yeah. And I think it's changing, but a lot of my theater experience is, I mean, the last time I did theater, it was like seven years ago or something. So it takes longer to direct without yelling. It takes longer to physically take your body to the person you're directing and then go back. It takes totally. And there's not not enough time. Yeah. Ever. There's never enough time. You're always against the clock. And but I guess it's kind of, it's pretty much the same. It's more of just a set. It's more of, there's a sensitivity. There's a, a lacking in sensitivity. And there may have been some women that I felt that way about too. I just can't remember. What's your most? Yeah. What's your most fave? My most favorite way of being directed is different on t- in TV shows than it is in film. Dep- well, I should say this. When I am a co-star on a TV show, when I have a very small role on a TV show, what I want is for the director to tell me exactly what they want. Like, I don't give a shit if they give me a line reading, right? I would prefer that, like, ultra clarity. I want to walk on and for them to say, okay, in the same way that they do with blocking, I want to know, okay, this is my mark. This is my second mark. This is when I travel. And I want to know up front exactly what their vision is of, of this scene, and it's hard for me to describe why, what I mean without saying the opposite, because I've had the opposite experience so many times, which really just gets into another thing I don't like. But my experience in TV as a person walking on having, you know, a day player or even a recurring that's that you're only there a few few times is you got to know where you are in the totem pole and you're not going to be the one they talk to the most, right? Mm-hmm. So I get that. But there's a way that I've been directed many times in TV shows by episodic directors who may also just be there one episode, right? A lot of times they are, where they kind of give me these like notes that are, um, I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> that I just don't understand. And then I feel like I have to translate what they mean, mm-hmm. you know, instead of them saying, I need you to do it more assertively. It would be like... <laughs> Should I just, can I just say, I feel so nervous that like the person that said this thing to me is going to listen to this podcast and hate me and never hire me again. But I had such a positive experience with this director. And there was a moment where she came in to me and said, okay, now you are the best nurse on the planet. (laughs) And I was like, got it. And I went back to one and I did not get it at all. And I have been directed that way as a co-star so many times. It's almost like people are talking to me like I'm a total idiot. Here's what I think. Here's what I think is going on. What I think is going on is that they don't, like we were saying, they don't have time. 
And directors and especially non-acting directors have been coached that there are rules about how you talk to actors. And there may be like onset protocol rules that I don't know about because I'm an actor, but I can tell you that result result oriented direction is and line readings are sort of like coached out of you. Yeah. Yeah. And, Mm. but they're not replaced with a comparable tool. So they are, their, their tool of being efficient by telling you what they want is taken from them and they don't have something to replace it in my experience. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. And particularly in TV, there's a lot of, in TV, there's a lot of like promoting from within. So you, you have somebody who used to be a first AD, somebody who used to write more than they do now, somebody who is a writer on the show. And occasionally you'll have actors. I haven't found actors to be any better directors of actors than non-actors, by the way. Um, really? Because, yeah, because for every director who knows how to talk well to me, there's a guy who doesn't understand that, like where the camera is supposed to go at all because he's an actor. And mm-hmm. so he's the camera crew like hates that guy because he like wakes up halfway through the day and realizes that they haven't shot anything that he actually mm-hmm. wants. Anyway, I could go on. And I mean, essentially, yeah, this yeah. question is so deep for me. It's so deep. But but the shortest version, the shortest possible version of my answer is in, in, in TV, I have only had small roles mm-hmm. and I am often spoken to in a way that doesn't make any sense to me at all because it's coming from their frame of reference Mm -hmm. and I don't know them and I don't know their frame of reference. So I have to like translate what I think they mean Mm -hmm. and then try to nail it. And then I'm always like, and then they're like, okay, we got it. And I'm like, did they, or did they just give up on me because they Mm -hmm. think I'm terrible? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like there's just this weird. So my, my most favorite in TV as a small role is to just is sort of results oriented. Like I would have preferred that, that note had been, Laura, you are, ex- she needs to be more confident or whatever it was. Cause I still don't know. I'll never know. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I think that's what it was. <laughs> and my most favorite way to be directed when I've had larger parts, which is in film is I'll use an example. The last film that I did director, Danny Jones, the film's called clone cops. It's coming out, I think this year. And Danny would come in and sit and talk to me, to us to the cast, either one-on-one or a group of us, if it was for everybody, and give us the time. Like, he made us feel like there was plenty of time mm-hmm. for for whatever we needed, even though there wasn't. He was really good at making us feel that way. And sometimes he was the writer as well, and sometimes he would share stories that were relevant, like from, you know, his own story. And say, like, this is why I wrote this scene. And it wouldn't necessarily be like, it was not results oriented. It was just like, here's the heart of this for me. And then it was, I knew exactly what he wanted. Or at least that's how it felt. So my favorite way to be directed in film when I have a larger part is when there's a a kind of trusting, hey, I'm going to share with you my thoughts here And in this case, I guess it was why I wrote it. And I'm going to make you feel like there's time, even when there's not. It's such a weird answer. I totally But there's like space. He was holding space for our process Mm -hmm. as actors. Mm -hmm. And when I've had that experience, it's been a dream. And that one was the best for me. It's, it's like, oh, God, this is the best job in the entire world. And I'm being trusted as an actor, and I'm being told that, too. Like, I love what you're doing. You know, like, there's just like a positive and kind of trusting, chill vibe 
which not everybody can do. I can't do that. I could never do that as a director. I'd be the one shouting, I'm sure. <laughs> I was going to ask you, I taught a on-camera acting workshop at the at your school recently, and you were doing scene work mm -hmm. in the class, and I directed you for about 20 minutes out of the two days. But did you? what was your experience mm -hmm. of my directing, the way that I directed you? I loved being directed by you because that's what you did. What did I do? Like, do you remember you came over at one point and you like leaned in close so nobody else could hear? And it was like, I don't remember what you said, but I remember, I remember feeling respected and trusted and, and also like you knew exactly what you were looking for and communicating it to me in a way that I could actually process it and try to do it. Mm -hmm. So I really appreciated that. Did you feel like that's what you were doing? When you were talking about what you didn't like, I was thinking, oh, my God, I directed her a few weeks ago. Like, how did I do? And I, I remember trying to do what I like. Yeah. No, I liked it. It was great. It was a little, it was a very, very different circumstance, but. Yeah, yeah um, totally. Totally. It was like in front of my students and yeah, but no, but I, what I got from that and you and I talked about this afterwards because we were, you know, batting around the idea of making stuff together and, and with another friend of ours. And you were like, I would direct you guys if you write it. And I remember thinking like, I would love that just yeah. based on the experience I had with you that day. So yeah, I loved it. Oh, nice. I think you're, I, you know, you know, I've been saying this for 20, almost 20 years. You need to be directing. In addition to acting, I think you need to be directing. But that's just my opinion. What's your favorite way to be directed? The first thing that popped into my head when I thought about this was nothing. My favorite director is one who doesn't direct me mm. because I, and I know the directors are going to hear that and be like, oh, okay, buddy. But I, I want to just say <laughs> that like, I re, uh, I worked with John and Drew Dowdle, the Dowdle brothers on the Showtime show last year. And we would have these massive courtroom scenes and these dudes would just say, let's do another one. And they, and nothing else. Or they'd go over to the camera guys and say, you guys are good to the actors on their way to the camera operators. And I, in my uh, old age now, I come to set with plans. I have preparation and readings and intentions that I am here to do. And the first take is about 10 to 30% of what I plan to do in that scene. And so if I was speaking to a director who'd never worked with me before, I would tell them, just give me, because I won't do it on set. If they come in and give me direction, I'll be like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm not going to say, hey, hang on a second. I got three more takes. Just give me, you know, because I understand the demands and I'll listen to them. It's very collaborative. But inside of me, like for the purposes of talking about my inner experience on my podcast, I love it when somebody's like, let's do another one. That's my absolute favorite thing to mm -hmm. hear a director say is let's do another one. That being said, like the stuff we didn't like that we were talking about, I understand why people don't do that. I understand that there's a that there's this whole other, you are a very self-sufficient actress. I am a very self-sufficient actor. I suspect it's because we have so much experience. That being said, I want to say that there are inexperienced or less self-sufficient, or let's just say more collaborative mm. actors who come to set either underprepared or just let's say more collaborative who want to sort of like make the thing in the takes in the room. 
I'm the opposite. I want you to shoot the thing that I've prepared because I think it's really good and I've got plans and I, I'm there because I like your writing and, and I like the way that your writing comes out of me. But there are tons of actors who are like, you know, it's enough to just kind of chew gum and walk and talk at the same time. And in that case, you know, with those, I, I would struggle with that as a director to sort of like how to help those kind of actors because I have a lot of ideas and I don't know what of my ideas as the director they're going to attach to. So I have compassion for the directors who have sort of been trained by the actors that they have to like come up with a bunch of different ways to say a bunch of different stuff. Um, but for me personally, as an actor, I just like it when somebody's like, let's do one more or this is good. My second favorite thing to hear is like, do you have anything else you want to do? <laughs> That's my favorite because it's like, yeah, hmm, I love that too. That. Yeah, I love that too. Yeah, do you want one? I love that. Yeah, like, Breckenmeyer yeah. on uh, on Men at Work. I, th I think it was on Men at Work. Breckenmeyer would say to me, "We have it, but now I'm going to give you a bunch of jokes." Yeah. And also, this is yeah. your take to just like tear it up because the show already, this scene is already shot, and that was like, holy moly, it just totally set me free. And he was an actor, is an actor, so he knows how to yep. talk like that too. I, it's so interesting for me to hear you say that you have plans because every time you say that, I'm like. Should I have plans? Because <laughs> I don't. That's not how I work. I mean, but then I'm like, but then the more I think about it, I'm like, or do I have plans? And I just don't think of them like plans. You know what I mean? I don't think I do. I really try to go in there like, I don't know what's going to happen. I got an objective. I know technically where I need to be and where I, you know, I know the technical plans that I have and and that have been given to me really but acting wise I just don't have plans and I'm like and then I was like thinking as you were talking maybe because you said as I get more experience and I was like maybe that's because I don't have as much experience maybe I'm doing it wrong maybe I don't know what Michael knows yet I mean I just went down this whole spiral and I just want to say that out loud because I think that's such a massive part of being, for me, it's been such a big part of being an artistic business person is like comparing my own process to other people's processes and my experience to other people's experiences. And it's just not helpful. Mm. <laughs> but instead of comparing, just listening and listening to you and thinking like, oh, that's so interesting. I wonder if at some point I will recognize the need for a plan. I wonder mm. if that is because of the differences in our career trajectory. I wonder, like just being curious about it mm -hmm. instead of what happened in my head just now, which was like a, a spiral out to like, I'm, I quit. Yeah. That was at the end of that spiral. <laughs> <laughs> it's so freaking true though. Oh, the, the artist's brain. It's yeah. fun. It's fun up there. So we'll do another episode on, um, Michael's harebrained schemes that he has every time he goes to set and whether or not <laughs> whether or not they're schemes. useful to me as an actor. Well, I mean, I've seen I've, I've seen enough of your work to know that, like, something's working. <laughs> so but it, but again, it's just not it just doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter what my students and I have actually been talking about this a lot. It's like I share tools with them mm -hmm. that I have that work for me. And if they don't work for them, I'm not going to be like, why aren't you doing that? I mean, yeah. give it the old college try. Try it a few times. You might find there's something useful in it for you. Or it might be useful now, but not useful in the next job or the next scene or whatever. But it just isn't like we all, we're such, our our instruments are us. So, and we're also different that, of course, our approaches are going to be different, you know, 
we're all different people. Mm-hmm. So just no comparisons. No comparisons. No Dig that. No comparisons. Nice. Well, Josh, I mean, I I'm excited to have Josh on. Yeah, future guest just Josh Rubin. Future guest Josh Rubin, current question asker. We appreciate you. I can't wait to talk to him more. Thanks for checking out the show, everybody. If you didn't know this, you can help the show by subscribing and rating the show on your podcast app. Apt. Apt. Yep, your uh, your apartment. <laughs> your podcast apartment. But your abbreviated apartment. because we don't have time. But also you can check us out on social media, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. Go ahead and find us there. There's all kinds of fun stuff to see. We post some videos on there so you'll see our mugs. If you want to hear your voice on this podcast, you can visit theactorshelpline.com, click on the microphone. You don't have to sign up for anything. It asks you for an email. You can leave it blank. I want to be so clear about this. We don't want your email. We want your question. We want to help you. It's called The Helpline. Thanks for checking us out, everybody. Thanks, guys. Bye, friends.